you're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Research indicates that approximately 30% of the LGBTQ community struggles with some form of addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, sex, porn, video games, or some other process addiction. Of course, much of that is due to trauma caused by the stigma, prejudice, and discrimination that those in our community have had to endure. Ivan Carlos Zuraldovich and Fabio Zuluaga from Houston have been together 24 years, and in this episode, they talk about their early struggles with addiction, the process of recovery, and how they use the strengths in their relationship to become leaders in their local recovery community. I began our conversation by asking how they met. The way that I met Ivan uh, was... uh 1993. 1993, okay. Um, for first time in the bar, I was um, dancing with, I was there with my best friend. It was an interesting time because my ex-partner and I were not completely broken up, but he was uh, diagnosed HIV positive in 89. And by 1990, 91, he, he refused to have any type of physical relationship anymore because he was scared of infecting me. So pretty much we were, you know, partners, but we weren't having any type of really physical connection, all that. Um, and so when I met Fabio, I kind of zinged for those people like Transylvania, Hotel Transylvania, we zinged, <laughs> felt kind of good. Um, and my, his name was Ricardo. He kind of picked up on that too. But by about the third time when I was able to convince him to go out with me, because it took three times, it was hard to get. One of the things that comes up for me too is that he made me wait six months from the time we officially dated before we had full on sex. Six and months. I never heard of that. And I thought, wow. But of course, now that I'm in recovery, you know, when I work with other people, you know, we do a friendship dating plan, we, we encourage three to six months to get to know some before that event happens. But anyway, so I hung it out and I'm glad I did. But it was a fun time. It was fun. Romance was fun. How did you know during that six months? I mean, you, you zinged the first night mm-hmm. or the, the first time that you talked and met, but how did you know during that six months? Yeah, this is really something that I want to work at and try to make work. Well, for me, because um, I'm the kind of guy that when I was alone uh, and I, when I went to the bar places that I meet someone, um, most of the time, people want to have fun this first night and probably disappear. And that they want to have sex the yeah, first night. And, and yeah. not, that was not in my plan because I would want a romantic relationship, not, not only sex. A lot of, I had a lot of baggage when I came in a relationship. I had a lot of stuff. And he had a lot of the right things that could help me. But it took a long time being together before I got in recovery to realize that there were a lot of good things from him that I wanted to own too and have his values and belief systems and morals, if you will. And that's a good thing. Yeah. So you mentioned recovery and in doing my homework to get ready for this interview, I know that the two of you are very involved in the recovery community here in Houston. Tell me about that, uh, both in terms of your personal backgrounds and 
how it brought you to the helpful work that you do for others today. So um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, sex and love addict, and codependent. So that's what brought me into recovery. The actual event was discovery. I was discovered in 2004 for compulsive acting out sexual behaviors. Uh, Fabi had some suspicions as a COSA. For those of you who don't know, that's a codependent of a sex and love addict um, or a partner of, depending on the terminology or labels you like to use. But it pretty much follows a CODA model. Um, and it took me four years from the time of discovery before I would accept that I needed help. And then I started seeing a CSAT, a Certified Sex Addiction Therapist, and started my recovery journey. Um, I came into the recovery, though, thinking, yeah, I'm a bit of an alcoholic. And that's all I could recognize. I knew I was a codependent because my mother is a therapist. That's how I met her. I was adopted. And she was my therapist for three years before I was adopted. So I've always known growing up that I had codependency issues, but I didn't see that as something negative. Um, as far as recovery, for some reason, when I started recovery 10 years ago, it just really stuck. But I had a very good therapist that was very hard on me and I needed that. Tough. I needed very tough, very tough. Um, but I, I, I went for it. I have a natural compulsive behavior. I, I'm OCD anyways. So if I do something, I'm going to do it. And I did it. I'm actually very glad. Um, the beautiful thing with being in the three or four 12 step programs I'm in is the working with others. I mean, I quickly did my steps in four programs and now I sponsor, um, in those programs. Fabian and I are also an RCA, which is recovering couples anonymous 12 step program for couples. And he and I mentored other couples and what a gift. Um, it's done a lot as far as making me feel like I am normal and the same as everybody else. And our relationship is the same as everybody else. It's no longer, I don't have to have this coupleship shame that we're different than everybody else because of our gay identity. And the more and more we work with other couples, and by the way, we're the only same sex couple in our group. It's very hard. It's right? very disappointing. I don't see many, um, same sex couples. They'll come a couple of meetings and then they go. Why do you think that is? <sighs> When I've asked them afterwards, it's been a lot of their own coupleship shame trying to get over that, and especially in the Bible Belt. Now, I know RCA in California and in the East Coast, some of those meetings can have 40% LGBT couples. Wow. But the dynamic in the Bible Belt is very, very different. It's very hard, and it's sad. And we were really excited about Q Marriage Mentors because we thought, wow, we're going to have an opportunity to work with other you know, LGBT couples. How neat. Because we need that. It's wonderful to help you know, uh, straight couples. But we identify as gay and we would like to be able to help other gay because I've seen there's been a lot of struggles and we deserve the same help and care and love and support in relationships as everybody else. Absolutely. Those that you help must accept you as a gay couple and the leaders of the group. Well, very much. And um, we both serve in trusted servant roles in RCA. And that's really cool. I mean, the first time that a, a heterosexual couple came up to us and asked sponsors, I was like, uh, in my mind, you know, that old shame response, me, but I'm not worthy. I'm not like you. I'm, I'm gay. I'm, I'm, I'm defective. All these weird things. But the more and more we start working with them, the first couple we work with, like, wow, there's much in common. Oh, we're also equally dysfunctional. And that's really what it mattered, you know. And even coming to the topics around sexuality, they had the same issues we did. Different body parts, but the same issues. Same uh, issues. Cool. So we can, you know, be part of support and yeah. nurture and, yeah. Papia, what's it like doing this work with Ivan in the community? Well, for me, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because Ivan, uh, his dedication to recovery is impressive. It's, it's just, I mean, the time and the passion he has for recovery in hell is, is great. And 
and also it's good for me be around or close to Ivan, my husband, because it's, 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 it's a big um, support for me to continue work for the, for the marriage and for the, for the, um, better relationship. And, um, and it's great. I mean, I, I always share in the meeting. I'm very grateful to have someone that, that like this recovery takes so seriously, uh, and, and like to help others because when we help others, also I help myself. So yes. it's, 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 for me, it's, it's wonderful. Did you have um, an addiction in your background as well, or is it more the codependency? More than the codependency, codependency, very strong, uh, controlling and behaviors, but not like I, most of my family, especially my brother, they, they, some of them, they're alcoholic. My father was alcoholic, but I never, I mean, the, when we started with Ivan 24 years ago, we, I used to drink more probably four or five beer, but that was a lot for me, but never to the point that I get drunk so bad, but, and no, it's, it's alcohol never was an issue for me. I just to smoke, like, I mean, one cigarette, but I never tried something else. Uh, for me, my codependency is the big issue. You have it in your family history. You mentioned your dad and all and, and gambling is a big one too. And, and something that I still enjoy when we go into La Vega, but, but I, not to the point that I consider myself that I have trouble with gambling because there's two Ivan, he doesn't like gambling. He go with me just to have fun and support me and be with me, but not to say, well, I'm, I'm in bed because I'm gambling too much. No, for me, it's a codependency much more than. One thing I want to share on that, Fabio is the first partner I've had that doesn't have a substance abuse and a compulsivity around sex or love addiction. My two previous partners did. And so there must have been something subconscious that I need something here. There's something here that can help me. So I'm very grateful for that. And a lot of people will he doesn't have any addiction issues. Well, codependency, but yeah, so that's it. That's very good. When he and I started dating, we knew about codependency. We actually thought, oh, that means we really love each other. We're so codependent. We're so enmeshed. We just really love each other. And then when my therapist heard that, she was like, mm, maybe not. Did you have a family history of addiction? So my biological mother um, was from Mexico and she came over to the States to an anchor baby. She was an alcoholic, a drug addict. And my parents suspect she was also prostituting to make money for her habits. She ended up going up to Helena, Montana, um, where she eventually abandoned me. And that's how I met my current mother because she was my therapist for three years because I was put into a children's rehabilitation hospital for three years while I was in foster care. And parents, she, she liked me and she took me home. Um, my adopted family does have addiction issues around alcoholism, which there've been a lot of denial around. Um, I've been very open about it and sometimes they'll share, Oh, maybe we got a problem with that too. Awesome. Aunts and uncles will say something, but kind of laugh it off as they drink the next drink. They minimize it. Yeah. They big time. Um, we have a lot of issues around food addiction in my family. The older generation overeats. My generation and younger, a lot of them have been having disorders around bulimia and anorexia, even some of the males. So it's gone. It's the same thing, but a different look, if you will. There's been yes. food issues, raging codependency issues, rage issues with several members. So yeah, there's a pattern there. Well, talking about family, um, t- 
tell me what it was like when you were coming out before you met. Were, are your, were your families accepting back then, and are they accepting now of your relationship? Well, for me, uh, it's very different because I'm coming from very reserved family, you know, Catholic family, just the way they are. They're not very open to be, uh, to have um, gay family around. But uh, before I met Ivan, I was very reserved. I still pay reserved, but not to that extreme like before. But when I start to date Ivan and, you know, with time, I start to be more open with my family. Um, and, and the reason that I say I start to be up more open with my family was because I know he was accepting be or see in my family I he was good for me. So I start to go more family reunion, more be more involved in the family. So I mean, that say everything that when we go everywhere all the time with the same person and the way we behave, that kind of, you know, touching sometimes and not that touching in public, but, but demonstrate, you know, like we are more than friends. So you didn't that, try to hide the fact that you care. No, don't stay anymore because I mean, most of my brother and sister, they already know. Uh, so, um, for me, that's the way to coming out that yes, when, most, more, 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 hundred percent. When we start be more stable in the relationship, and we 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 know that we are, we have plans to be together and and dreams to be together, and that's the way for me. The way that I coming out. I see. And Ivan, what about you? Your adoptive family was so. They- my biological mother came up to Helena, Montana, and in the sixties and the seventies, I'm a little bit older. Um, it wasn't exactly a great place for a gay child. And apparently at a very young age, everybody else around me seemed to pick up vibes that I was different. Children very are very good at discerning that others are different, probably more so than adults. And by the second grade, I was starting to be gay bullied. And I didn't even understand what all that was. And it was pretty hard. It was until the 11th grade, until I finally went to Germany for school. Um, it was bullying every day. It was pretty hard. Um, in my family, my dad figured out he was an interior decorator at the time. So he knew that part of the world. He'd go to San Francisco to market and da-da. he had some friends that were gay. He identified when I was 11. I remember he says, you're gay. That's okay. I mean, that's cool with that, but you need to be very careful. And he said, one thing I didn't realize it would have a huge impact on me. Your mother can never know. He said, don't tell your mom. I literally said, your mom can never know. Wow. And I didn't realize that was kind of seeding the double life that a lot of addicts have, especially around the sex and love addiction. And as a gay man, I learned to have lots of double lives, choosing what parts I showed to the public and what I kept to myself. And that ended up having a huge impact on my identity development. Um, so growing up gay was very, very hard. It wasn't until I got in the army and I was in the army at a point where it was before do not, do not ask, don't tell. Um, but I was a very strong willed, young man. I said, I'm going to change the army. And I was very out in the army, which was very dangerous, but I was in military intelligence joint service. And there were just so many gay and lesbians serving in military intelligence. So it was really hard for them to do much about it. But at some point I did get kicked out of the army for being gay. Dishonorably discharged? Dishonorably discharged. Well, it was called other than honorable. Other than honorable, which I'm fighting now because of the marriage equality act. Um, but anyway, um, so that wasn't easy. I came out to my mom when I was in the army 
but I didn't do it in a very graceful way. I was drunk off my ass and it, it wasn't pretty. Um, my dad felt really bad. I had a period of time where I had no contact with my parents and I realized a lot with my own shame feelings. And then when I got in a relationship with my last partner, which actually my dad ironically introduced me to and was trying to get me to, he was trying to get me connected with this man because at that point I was working in a mortgage company in the IT department. And my dad had met this nice VP because my dad at that time had switched and opened the mortgage company in Montana. I found the perfect man for you because he didn't like my pre- my current partner at the time. Ah, okay. So he was kind of disruptor. Uh, so my dad was cool. And I've always had a very open relationship as far as my sexuality. It wasn't until I married Fabio or a Fabio and I relationship. And my mom started to sing, especially when I got in recovery. My mom at one point realized he's the right man for you. He's your angel. And she, she's now very, very grateful to Fabio for everything. And when we got married officially in 2014, I mean, she was, it was just impressive. She gave me a big hug and, you know, you're my son now. Da, da, da. So she's changed. So I can be in a place today that I accept what it is today and I can let go what I went through in the past. So both of your parents are very involved in your all's lives together. Big time. Great. And what about uh, siblings, uh, extended family? Are they involved in your life now or not? I'll do the short answer. I'm an only child. Okay. So for me, it's just my parents. My, my, my cousins and everybody else, it's a very detached family. Simple. Your turn. <laughs> well, for me, it's very different because I have so many brothers and sisters. I have, my mom has 18 children. 18 children. So, um, that didn't survive, uh, survive. So, to pass away the last two, three years, so we are still 11. Um, we, um, I don't talk about that much about our life together uh, with my family, but uh, my sister, especially one that I might know very well, um, because she has a lot of additional issues. So, um, she's very open. I'm very open with her. Uh, she, she was the first person that I told her what happened when I discovered Ivan from, uh, his sex addiction. So I was very open with her. Um, but they, they are involved. I, I can say that because every time that I call to say hello to them or they call me, they always ask me for Ivan, always. Um, I mean, even my brothers, um, they always ask me for Ivan. And, and with the family, my cousin and nephews, um, some of them, they are very, very open, very comfortable with us. Some of them, they not, mostly one or two. Um, but the cousin, they are wonderful, especially because also they have gay family, you know, gay children, gay, gay daughters. So, um, with, with my family, especially most of my cousin in here, uh, we doing, we have a good relationship. Great. Well, 24 years is a long time. And so the honeymoon period has been over for a while. What, uh, what do you see in each other today when, you wake up in the morning and look at each other. Why do you still choose to keep going? So, first of all, when Fabi and I started a relationship, I business traveled every week. So, we were actually able to stretch that romance phase out longer because I would see him every weekend or every other weekend. So, it lasted quite a while. And I still was hiding behind the barrage that he didn't know some of my activities and things. He didn't know the extent of my problems, so to speak. 
when we started recovery, obviously there was a big separation, you know, a detachment, if you will. Um, I think as I got healthier in recovery and he started working his program for codependency, I think we renewed a new romance phase and we had another honeymoon because it was more authentic and we're both seeing each other's true sides. So it's almost like a new person. Um, today it's a skill set, right? I have all these tools I have to use to ensure that I keep re-romanticizing the relationship because love is a choice. It's no longer the brain chemistry that's keeping me hooked to him, getting high off of him and the relationship. It's, it's work, but it's fun work. Um, I'm glad today that we have a very much more mature relationship, but we can be very honest and open about things. We can stay respectful and calm through conflict, but we face the conflict because we're both conflict avoidant. So that's a new challenge. Um, and learning to say that it's okay to experiment with what, what is fun, do something different. So Thank I like you. waking up to you in the morning, give him a hug. Well, I mean, um, I can say that, that we are in a right honeymoon because, um, for 24 years together, we, we join a lot, a lot of things, uh, still, uh, uh, we we appreciate our body. We take care of our body. Um, Ivan give me compliment every day. I mean, for me, I said twenty four years. Most of the couple they don't say you look good. I mean, compliment they disappear. You compliment each other on your physical appearance yeah. and yeah, uh, a lot, a lot, and, and, and other behaviors and other behaviors uh, and something that for me has a lot of value to see that I have someone with me that. I mean, I'm not 36, like when he met me, I'm 62. So he behaved the same way. I mean, he gave me compliment every single day. I mean, every single day, see me, I love you, blah, blah. But also not only that, it's just the, the physical part that the, the, the connection that we had. I mean, we, we are very active, still sexually active in these days, especially after recovery, because there's trust. That is transparent. That is trust has helped your sexual connection. Very, very much so. It's not how it was not there before when I was when I know he was acting now, he was not in recovery. But now I can I, I feel more freedom, more open to lead that kind of life because I know he's not hiding any truth from me. So some couples, gay or straight, talk about how sex was hot and heavy in the beginning and then fades over time. It sounds like for you all, because of recovery, it's actually gotten better? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things, too, is that, granted, when we were in that 24 to 36 months of the romance period, everything seemed awesome and good. But then after that, there was a period of robotic, I'm going to call it automated robotic sexual behavior. And honestly, at some point, that kind of becomes a little bit boring. Um, we're now at a point now, we, we're, we're probably in the phase where most married healthy couples are in the first three years, where they're kind of doing that um, power struggle around their sexuality, but a healthy power struggle. We're actually in that phase now. We've had some conflicts around that, and it's been challenging but at least now we can talk about it, you know, be more open about it. Because in the past, sex was something we don't talk about. You know, you did it, but didn't really talk about it honestly and express our needs and wants. And I'm not curious about this or, no, I don't want to do that. You know, setting boundaries. It's a tough one. Oh, I'm assuming in 24 years, there were some rough spots. Was there ever a time that one or both of you thought, oh, this might not work? And if so, how did you get through it? That's your question. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, 
when I discovered Ivan was very uh, hard time for me. Uh, was a bit surprised because, by the way, this morning I was talking to Ivan about this that that for me was very hard to discover that he was different person because when you discovered that he had been sexually active yeah, outside of the relationship yeah because I mean I said I, ha- I never had any sign like wow he's doing something abnormal he was behaving the same sweet you know every time he's travel he called me every single day in the morning the afternoon he always brought me present but but nothing nothing came to my mind or my head Ivan is different like I mean he was very romantic. I mean, so perfect. It's so perfect. But the way that I discovered was not because he changed something. He said something, uh, in New Orleans that we went to one of those short vacations to New Orleans. So he said something to me that I start to, um, to thinking that something is not Right. While you were on vacation, he's something a little different. He, yeah, he was okay. very drunk. Uh, and he invited me to go somewhere and say, well, you can say it. He invited me to go to the house okay. in New Orleans. It was, it was on uh, Halloween. It was my birthday, I believe. So I said, well, Ivan, you are very drunk. I don't know what you say, but uh, no, I want to go to the hotel. I'm very tired too. So. From there, I start to open my eyes. Say, well, probably he likes to go to my house. Maybe he want to go with me, but it's not my. I don't want to do that. So finally, we went to a hotel, and from there, I start to see or follow more like signs if he was doing something behind my back. So that was that happened that way. So. Um, how did you get through it? It was hard because um, I discovered Ivan and, and after discovered Ivan, I waited four more years to uh, trying to hang, get into recovery. Uh, four years. Four years. Um, and I know he was acting out because every day I see Bruce, I got Bruce. So, um, but finally I said, okay, there is... We have to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. If you know this is not normal, probably it's normal. You have a fair. I don't know, but that way, this way, no. Uh, so um, I ask, you need to find um, therapy. You need to look for help because this is not normal. So um, you, you gave him kind of a healthy ultimatum. Yeah, and, and he and chose recovery. Say, you got one way to thinking about. I mean, if in this way you haven't decided, give me any news, whatever. I think we need to separate because, I mean, you, I don't want to enjoy life together this way. So four or five days later, I came from work and said, I got a new for you. He said, what's the news? He said, I got therapy. This is, this is the name, blah, blah. And she's like a good therapist. I said, good luck. I mean, congratulations. This is what I want to have. So from that moment, Ivan, he put his life in recovery and he's decided to be better person and I mean, then for me, the man that I always dream because nobody can ask for some per- better person than Ivan in many aspects. I mean, in general. So uh, I think it was worth it. I mean, I went to hell a little bit, but, but uh, for me, it's worth it because 
it, it was worth it to discover the truth. It was worth it. For me. Yes. And I'm very grateful that I never ran away probably because at this time I was there. I don't know. Guys, our time went very quickly, but is there anything that you would just say very quickly that you would want younger couples to know about how to make a relationship work and be healthy? The quick answer is communication. I mean, ultimately, that's the area we struggle the most on. And it's not just talking to each other, but it's really about listening and about having empathy skills with our partners. And it's also knowing about and understanding what our partner's needs are. Um, you know, I talk about quickly about love languages. We weren't feeling loved. No matter, I was doing everything to make him feel loved, but I didn't realize we had different love languages. And it was really important when we did that work because ultimately mine is physical touch. It was his least. His is acts of service. It was my least. So no wonder we were so disconnected and always frustrated. But now we've learned and we've stretched. So I'll leave it at that. You now know what says I love you to the other. Guys, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank Thank you very much for having us. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them. So please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and have a great week.